Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 124 If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us his prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 10. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Burst into song and shout, you who have been in labor. For the children of the desolate woman will be more than the children of her that is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the side of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess the nations and will settle the desolate towns. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Do not be discouraged, for you will not suffer disgrace, for you will forget the shame of your youth and the disgrace of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your Maker is your husband, The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, like the wife of a man's youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing wrath for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me. Just as I swore that the waters of Noah would never again go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 23 through 35. Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce great signs and omens to be led astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, 
and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all of these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Good morning and welcome to the 20th uh, day of Martin Time. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Mon- Knoxville, Maryland. Uh, I have to apologize for yesterday. I recorded the episode but then forgot to share it on social media. Um, hopefully if you are listening through Spotify or Anchor or any of the um, you know, the regular channels and, you know, Apple podcasts, if you're getting, uh, notifications, great. If you're relying on Facebook or Twitter, unfortunately, I, I forgot to send that out until like five o'clock or something. And that's just my bad. Um, but it is out there. It's a, uh, really, uh, interesting reflection about women, uh, both in Martin's ministry, um, and also in, um, the reading for that day for, for the, um, revised common lectionary for Advent. Uh, this morning, on the 20th day, we, uh, right, well, for the Advent reading, we are, we've read from the book of Isaiah and the Gospel of Matthew, um, each of which are very um, worthy subjects of discussion. Um, and you can tell in Isaiah that uh, the, um, the curators of the RCL are picking up on the Noah stuff in um in Isaiah and then in the Gospel of Matthew, it's it's no longer the book of Revelation, but it's thematically apocalyptic, um, drawing in this case from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, this morning's image is the, the kind of annoying, tired, overdone image of Martin splitting his cape. But there's a caveat for this morning, and that is that this image is uh, a really important image um, from the, uh, the important fresco artist Simone Martini, uh, who lived in the 14th century. And this image is located in the St. Martin Chapel in the Basilica of St. Francesco d'Assisi in Assisi, Perugia district in Italy. In other words, this is the, the Grand Basilica of St. Francis of Assisi. And um, there's an entire chapel dedicated to Martin. And in that chapel, there's a number of frescoes. And someday I'll go through and, and um, capture and share on Flickr all the different images from the life of Martin um, in St. Francis's Basilica done by Simone Martini. Um, and the reason this is this one is special, not just, well, it is special because Francis was another soldier saint who turned his back on war um, but who continued to attract other veterans to himself and other um, Christians to this movement born of military service. And um, it's been written by elsewhere, I won't dwell on Francis, uh, but what struck me about this selection, which I got from aroundtheyear.org um, for uh, the 20th day of Martintide, is the reading. 
that the woman selected. I need to look up her name, and I keep forgetting to do it. I want to say, like, Carrie Ann Mills or something like that. I've got to look it up. Um, and this, I don't know where she's finding these things, but she's clearly some kind of fan of Martin or just decided one day she's going to just look everything up she can and kind of draw from it what she could. Um, and this comes, uh, the reading that she selected for this morning is from Henry Mills Alden, who edited Harper's New Monthly Magazine. And I think that's, I think that's, no, it's not Harper's Bazaar. Anyway, um, this comes from the 61st volume uh, in 1880, in page 383 of that um, of that volume. And Mills Alden um, reflects on Martin in this way, quote, It must have been a hard age when so much could have been made of Martin's dividing his cloak with a shivering beggar. It may indeed have been that few Christians then had any cloaks to divide. This story of Martin, with the legends of his peacefulness, seemed to bear us back to a period when the church represented the trampled people and had not yet unsheathed the sword nor gained the throne. Martin of Tours stood in the dawn of the church's great victory over the north, but he stands white against a sanguinary background, a soldier of Constantine I, who last drew his sword to divide his cloak with a beggar and then cast that sword away forever. End quote. And what I find so striking about this reflection um, is uh, it's truth. The uh, Martin was at this boundary between the early innocent age of the martyrs and this emerging age of the Holy Roman Empire. Um, Constantine in 312, um, and through um, his um, his reign, forces the church into a transition that it hadn't anticipated. And a lot of unanticipated, sorry, I didn't mean to be redundant, a lot of uh, tension that had been bubbling under the surface without any need to burst forth was all of a sudden um, coming forward. So we don't seem, we don't always appreciate the great difficulty, but also the, the paradox of the Council of Nicaea. On the one hand, um, all of these local concerns of all these different, you know, churches and regions, uh, Christian regions, um, that hadn't been able to communicate openly, all of a sudden were all together under one roof, and they all were there under the watchful eye of the emperor who had been persecuting them. Um, and I, I bring that up uh, because Martin, uh, in his own person, struggles with the transition between. Um, minority and, and persecution status and the the whole trappings of the imperial court and, and power and influence and prestige. Um, and he, uh, he resides in this place um, reluctantly. He doesn't want to be a soldier. He's conscripted against his will. Same as being a bishop. And um, he's, the, he's the first... Christian soldier, at least well-known Christian soldier, who refuses to fight in battle, but who is not martyred. And so in his own life, this transition occurs from this this age of innocence into uh, this ambiguous relationship between the state and its power to do violence, and the church and its power uh, to, to 
uh, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, or to rule over uh, the masses. And uh, he last draws a sword to divide his cloak with a beggar, then casts the sword away forever. And it's no coincidence that, you know, this image for this morning, um, uh, you know, resides in uh, a chapel in the Basilica of another very prominent soldier saint who had a lot of money and wealth, um, who was a military veteran as well, and who had this difficult relationship with uh, the church and with uh, violence. He, you know, he's a prisoner of war. He has some form of combat trauma, and then he goes back thinking, I'm, this is the life that I should lead, uh, this meaningful life. And he finally turns around after he had gone off to try and join the Fifth Crusade and then becomes this austere monk. Um, and there is this transition period, this shift. Um, academics have referred to it as the Constantinian shift uh, or perhaps the Constantinian um, concession where the church allows itself to be taken up into forms of power that expect it and expect uh, the use of violence. And Martin goes on later to have very strong opinions, uh, very public opinions, and uh, takes very uh, harsh public stances on uh, the question of whether or not the church should be in the business of executing heretics, in this case, Priscillian, who was the first uh, heretic to be uh, martyred uh, by the church herself. Uh, and so that's why uh, this, this image, I think, is so important um, and uh, significant despite it being, you know, the kind of same, like, I'm going to cut my cape and it's this weird angle with a sword. And in this case, the horse is, like, really long. It's like, he yeah, has, like, two, it's like a double-seater horse. Anyway, um, so I hope that provides some food for thought for this morning um, as well as just in general and, and how we as Christians uh, remain politically engaged but also spiritually mature, mature enough to not grasp at power to not um, see it as something to be um, uh, accumulated and exerted, but to be approached with caution and hesitation um, and also finally great responsibility. Any Christian with any kind of political power or influence um, should exert that influence with great discernment and hesitation for um, both the good it can do, but also the, ha the harm it may cause as well. And I think that uh, Martin's life and this line about like he uses his sword to cut his cape to clothe the beggar um, and then cast it away forever, I think speaks volumes as to um, this uh, really like playful subversion of our human expectations about violence and about charity and about goodwill um, and it's just so powerful even though you know this is like the only image that most people see of Martin um, it is nonetheless quite quite powerful and I hope um, uh, appreciated for its full for its full weight and depth a prayer for the poor and neglected from the book of common prayer Almighty and most merciful God, we remember before you all poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget. The homeless and the destitute, 
the old and the sick, and all who have none to care with them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit, and turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who for our sake became poor, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PewPewHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.